Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Is that a spittoon? What kind of instrument is there at the beginning? Little, little, little Kenny G. Anyway, well, we're back here in the studio after another crew loss. Just a quick recap of the week. I'm Jacob Myers, our crew beat writer here at the Dispatch with Kyle Robertson. Before the game, we'll start with when we got off air, the crew got a little busy with making some moves last week. They traded Patrick Mullins to Toronto FC for Jordan Hamilton, an international roster slot, 50000 in targeted allocation money, and a right of first refusal on a player from Toronto. I'll get to that in a second. Just kind of a reminder on the targeted allocation money. That can be used for a variety of things, including buying down a budget charge of a player who makes more than the league maximum and also converting a player from a designated player spot to TAM, and you have to simultaneously sign a designated player. Can you use it on a young DP, do you know? You can, but you can't. There's like a limit of how much you can buy that player down. So like they could use TAM on how much Luis Diaz's contract goes toward the budget charge. I feel like it's good every time we have these because we're going to get more of these transactions to kind of lay out what it all means because even I get confused sometimes. And then they also traded winger Rabinho to Orlando City for $50,000 in TAM. They can also get another $50,000 of TAM and $50,000 of general allocation money if Rabinho meets specific performance requirements. They also can get a chunk of any transfer fee if Rabinho is sold anywhere. And then there were a couple front office hires. We talked about Dante Washington, and then they hired Steve Lyons to the front office. He's the executive vice president and chief business officer overseeing all revenue earning departments within the club. And he was a huge behind the scenes player in the Save the Crew movement. I mean, most of the people that listened to this and were following or were a part of the Save the Crew movement know how just invaluable Steve Lyons was through that whole process. He's been Alex Fisher's right-hand man at the Columbus Partnership for years. You know, I almost saw it in lockstep with the Dante Washington hire. It's just this front office making a smart decision to get connected with the community and someone who, you know, Steve Lyons doesn't have a soccer background, but he has a great business background in Columbus and they need to make waves in those departments. Yeah, I think it's a good move on both ends. It's you take someone who is such a big role in the whole save the crew and you bring them back now with the team. And, you know, they needed to do it just like the Dante Washington hire. They needed to kind of rebuild some relationships you know, in the business community in Columbus and in Ohio. And I think it's a great step. And I think you'll see a lot of partnerships, I would think, in the near future, especially with the new stadium a couple years down the road. You know, I think that's probably one of his big goals is to try to set up sponsorships and try to set up businesses and that kind of stuff and get that stadium going, you know, with the help of the IBM experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those three moves, but you said it, those three moves show what type of direction they want to move quickly until they get the stadium deal and that, that land acquired to start. Now, build, who's making these moves? This is, is Bezbachenko, and I would assume yeah. it's kind of in lockstep well, with the ownership, and Pat Onset yep. probably has maybe a little say there as well. But, I mean, I've met Steve Lyons before. He's He's been around the club and, and knows Dr. Edwards well, and I'm sure he knows the Haslam's very, very well because Alex Fisher knows them well from Tennessee political connections and things. But we'll get to an element of that Toronto FC trade uh, for Jordan Hamilton. Again, he's a reserve forward, so it's very similar to the Romario Williams move. Look, they're going to be getting guys to fill out the depth of this roster. If you don't see it more than those couple moves over the course of the rest of this transfer window before it closes on August 7th, you're going to see it a lot in the offseason. So I think that's beyond 
the lookout for. You want to see the big signings, of course, but I think these moves are more right. of what you're going to see. Well, I think it also then it frees up J.J. Williams to be loaned out Absolutely. And, and to get to get the playing time. I mean, he got his, his games when Zardes was out, you know, with the Gold Cup, and, and then you would hope that Mullins could fill into that role, and obviously he had his chances and just couldn't capitalize on those opportunities and so you see well let's see what else we can do and you know I think that might have been the plan all along but to kind of bring J.J. Williams along get some game experience get some reps get some minutes and see how things are but then once Zardos comes back he's kind of lost in the shuffle of on the depth chart so and Caleb Porter was asked about this do you have to go after guys when you have an established striker like Jossie Zardes of course they're always looking to improve so I don't think you would not to say this is what they're going to do this window but you would never rule out they're going to shy away from getting a better striker. Right, but I think what the thing is is J.J. Williams, for being a rookie, he needs 60 to 80 minutes of playing. He can't, for his development in the future, he doesn't need to come in for the last 20 minutes and try to, which it would be nice, but for his overall development, I think the long term is better that he's out on loan and kind of playing weekly or however many games they have, you know, be a starter and and put in the full 90. Everything Porter has said about the current roster has pretty much been echoed by the front office, mostly through Bezbachenko. And I mean, I would assume Pat Onset as well, because they talk constantly. And something that Porter specifically mentioned about J.J. Williams is they do like what they saw when he had his couple starts there. They just have realized when Jossie wasn't in there, they weren't getting goals. So maybe some younger guys like Romario and, and Jordan Hamilton, who are 24, 23, Patrick Mullins is 27, 28. Just get those guys in there who have scored a little bit, have more playing time, and go get JJ games so he can develop right. organically and not just be thrusted in the MLS where it's either sink or swim. Right. Speaking of sink or swim, though, Abubakar Keita has been swimming a bit. He The future. He's got a long way to go. But Caleb Poor has been really, really high on him. After the game, he said they think they have a good one in him. Yeah. And when he came in for Gaston Sorrow, boy, I, I thought yeah. he played spectacular. And I'll have more on that in the future. I think he was the Twitter man of the match, too. Was he? I believe. I, I, I was, was too busy yeah. reading the comments of that tweet saying, this is crap, yeah. we don't want this anymore. They have to do it, right, because of right. sponsorship. But, I mean, I think it's smart on their end. If I remember correctly, I think he's following the same path as well Trap did when they signed him and I believe Trap had a pretty good under 20 World Cup and coming back and then getting some starts when he got back from that and then I think he played the rest of the year if I remember correctly so I mean it's it, it's good when you're not winning I guess that's you know the next thing to do is kind of build build for the future he got on the 18 over Alex Cornell yep. which definitely caught my eye and then he came in and thought he played pretty well but let's get back to that trade and I'll try to explain this to you Kyle oh and <laughs> and you can tell me what questions you have because if I'm not explaining it well to you, do I'm need, sure other people do have questions. Do I need to get a flow chart going or a whiteboard out yeah, here? Yeah, I think we need red string and some thumbnails. Podfather, can you get that for us? Maybe some uh, law and order yeah. sound effects here. All right, so the right of first refusal. I got hung up on the word refusal. I, I thought of it like a no trade clause type of thing. That's not it. Just think it's the player's rights to a team. So there are multiple ways a team can get players' rights. We're going to focus on two of them because I think this illustrates what this acquisition of this asset means for this transfer window or the future. So think of Kakuta Mane, for example. He went to Pachuca and Liga MX from Columbus. After not signing with us. Correct. Right. It was a free transfer, and that's an important part. It was a free transfer, but Columbus made an offer. Like, there's a player from Toronto. I'm going to mispronounce his name, but a Spanish guy who it was a mutually agreed part. Toronto didn't want to re-sign him. So 
Toronto didn't have his rights because it was mutually agreed they were going to go their right. own ways. Columbus made an offer, so the league then awarded Columbus with Kakuta's rights. When he came back after the year at Pachuca, and he was loaned out yeah. to a Swiss team, and Cincinnati wanted to get him, they had to go to Columbus and get his rights right. so they could sign Kakuta Mane, and they paid however much in allocation money, but that's an asset you have to trade for. I mean, I'm sure they they didn't give him the money he was looking for, and I'm sure a lot of teams lowball players to play that game. And that's where they, it comes up you know, to the, the league to right, decide right. if you made a legitimate right. offer or an attempt. So the other way, and this is a hypothetical example for Aloy Room, I just thought of this was the best way to kind of illustrate it. If Room received an offer from the crew and decided not to sign here, and he went elsewhere in any league, remember he was out of contract in the Netherlands, so it would have been a free transfer. He decided to go anywhere else. Since the crew made a legit offer, the MLS could offer the crew Room's rights if he didn't Right. Come to the crew now, but if you were to go to MLS and another team wanted to sign him, they would have to trade the crew for right of first refusal. So there are reports out there about an unnamed international player. The rights likely apply to a player who Toronto targeted but couldn't sign, and the league gave Toronto that player's rights if the player right. comes to MLS. Now, Does that make did sense? They, yeah, do the team still have the player's rights when they sell them? This is another example. Okay. So in the case of like, Sebastian Giovanco, yeah. for an example. Because he was transferred for a fee per MLS rules has to be greater than $500,000. Right. He would have to go back through the allocation process right. in the allocation ranking if he returns to MLS. Toronto does not have his rights. So someone like Zach Steffen, right. he qualifies in multiple ways for that allocation ranking because he's a U.S. Yeah. player, but that would kind of be right. the same way. So. Hopefully that didn't confuse too many people. And then I tried to get this clarified in terms of well, players then, that were loaned. Right. But then also, isn't there the discovery players too? Would that be in the list of the of the players who they not quite offer? But uh, you can't be a discovery or, player you know, if you if your rights belong to an MLS team. Gotcha. So for like Aloy Room, for an example, or any of these players, like the unknown right. player here was probably on the discovery list, right. which is extremely like secret thing the league right. keeps and whatnot. He was probably on Toronto's discovery list at some point, but now has rights in the league. Can't is not discoverable. And then there was another example. Oh, like that Spanish player I yep. was talking about. He is rediscoverable because his rights don't belong to anyone. Gotcha. So now players that were like loaned to MLS clubs and, you know, not necessarily owned by MLS clubs. And then they say decide to return to their club right. in, in another league. It's still up to the league to grant the players' rights to an MLS club. So that's kind of the same thing as that. So basically, we'll example. never know who this player is. Exactly. That, <laughs> in four words, that's how right. you sum it up. But if people want to speculate, you can look at reports out there of players that maybe Toronto targeted, but you don't know for sure if they had offered them or not. And then, you know, there are probably reports that aren't out there of players they've offered. So it's probably somebody that Bezuchinko liked in Toronto that they maybe offered in the last year or so that he might say, oh... Or the situation's you know, like untenable and trying right. on that player on Evergo. Right. Yep, absolutely. Yep. That's kind of what I was thinking. So, you know, somebody that he's like, we could maybe one day get or we like him or, you know, in that situation. Absolutely. So, in summary, it's up to the league to decide if an MLS team gets rights to a player if that player never competes in MLS and the MLS club has to make an effort to sign the club. Has the that clause been traded a lot? I would think it hasn't been. You know, it's and that's another thing you can try to read into this is how good is this player based on the kind of haul that right. the like 
there would have to be a huge asset you would think that the crew would have to trade if it's to a really big time mm-hmm. player I don't know how often it's been traded but now it's happened twice with the crew so it makes me think it happens quite a bit but gotcha. I, I don't think it's you know as frequent as Tam Game and that stuff alright so if you got all that we'll go to the never ending injury list that the crew Ooh. have Gaston Sorrow injured 25th minute Caleb Porter said today today being Tuesday I guess we should have mentioned this at the top they play Chicago Fire tomorrow in Bridgeview I will be there Gaston Saro out a couple weeks with a quad injury you see him go out and you're just hoping it's not a knee injury so that's a good thing Josh Williams another center back out concussion from a Dom Dwyer nasty nasty elbow Jonathan Mensah knee injury from the Africa uh, Cup of Nations tournament he is questionable if he does not play that means the crew are now down to their fourth and fifth center backs which would be Cornelian Abubakar Keda. That's if they don't right. decide to throw in a player out of position to right. a center back. Well, Jimenez has played it before. And, you know, he's just been the Swiss Army yeah. knife, is what Caleb Porter's called him. So I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen. But you also need height in that position, especially when you have Waylon Francis and Offall on the sides. Davi Guzman, questionable with a knee injury as well. He injured that against Real Salt Lake, hasn't been held out at all. And because they're going to rotate a bit with a home game on Saturday, I'd be surprised to see him personally. So the past match... One nothing lost to Orlando on a goal by Benji Michel, a rookie in the 84th minute. They outshot Orlando 11-4, to so now Orlando's had three goals against the crew on seven shots. Mm. What were just your takeaways watching the match? Well, I mean, Zardes hits the post early on. You know, I think the fourth or fifth minute, a good cross down the right side from Pedro. You're hoping that he kind of gets that goal, kind of gets it kind of started. But then after that, there wasn't very much until the last five or six minutes when again Zardes got the first header I think he hit down a little bit and then the oh, second yeah. header right to the turf. yeah he got you know I think it the ball kind of came out weird or he just kind of whatever but he, the second one those. right but the second one was a really good header that just missed mm-hmm. he put it in a place and if you rewatch the replays the goalie froze because he thought for sure he was beat so I mean that's and I think it's tough because they're just not getting the quality chances on scoring and they're not converting them but I think the other side is like their defense is still holding up pretty well and the goalkeeper spot is playing pretty reasonable I think that was an issue that you would want to kind of consider once Zach left is how the and but they're not you know if you go back and look they've only given up the most three goals a season but they haven't scored more than two goals all year so I mean they're kind of they're not getting slaughtered they have say. nine one goal right. losses yeah. and then two games being Portland and LAFC right. where they've given up goals past the 88th right. minute so they've been right there in 11 of right. these games and then you think of DC at DC where they scored the first goal and it was taken away so that's another yeah. one but and we'll get to this later of course too the team is sick of talking about all that stuff yeah. too they've said they're done playing victim they, they can't do that they just have to move forward and they're still extremely confident Caleb Porter said today that there's no issues inside the locker room whatsoever and the confidence is high which makes him extremely excited for the rest of the season now if people want to roll their eyes at that they can but I mean one thing he did say and I'll share with you he said I think it's going to be scary guys I really do what we're going to eventually do here at the end of the year next year and it will all come together So if you conjure up the best possible things that can go well for the crew the rest of the season through 21 games, it's these guys coming right away, 
you know, sync with the group, at least somewhat make a push. They're, right. well, I mean, we talked about beforehand, 538 has a 3% shot of them making the postseason, and they're right at the bottom of the table with Cincinnati. I think of this phrase that Bobby Knight always used at Indiana. He said, we have to win games to get in position to be in position or something like that. Basically, they have to get in position before they even think about a postseason spot. They're trying to balance that, all those right now. They still think they can make it. We'll see where we go from there. But you look at this game and you mentioned, Kyle, it's crew on repeat. You feel like right. you've watched the yeah. same track for weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're just in this rut. And again, like you kind of talked about at this point, you're throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks. And maybe there will be a huge overhaul this, you know, this offseason to kind of get his players. And you know, maybe this year is just a huge audition to see what type of players that he might want. I mean, you've seen the turnover in the roster. And, but that's been know. more with injuries and right. international calls. Yeah, right. But they are learning right. a lot right. more. And Caleb Porter has said that a ton. Right. It's He thinks they're going to be way, way, way right. better right. because they've seen right. everyone. I mean, you lose basically, what, your right and left backs for majority of the season, the one out for the whole that you, you know your young 20 year old could be really good going into the future you lose your best playmaker you know and then you lose the best goalie you know the united states has at the moment and then you you know you lose a couple guys for the gold cup mm-hmm. you know that are you know main parts of what you're doing so you know we've talked about it you know they start off really well but i just think all the little things have added up to a point now where it's you're <laughs> they're in trouble. <laughs> they they had like, 43 right. goals last year. It's not like this yeah. team was blowing teams away. No. So, but you also got they got really good goaltending absolutely you know, last year, and you had one of the the playmakers who you know makes things go. So I mean, I think that was a huge. I think you're starting to see how big of a deal it is not having them out there and the creativity and and kind of seeing how things flow with the way the crew attacks. Offensively. Well, I think it's a lack of just continuity especially in the attacking third because they've rotated so much because of injuries and everything we've noted right then you have to adjust mentally if you're a player think of like jossie zardes if he has two new guys every single game playing against him he has to understand their tendencies they have to understand his it's almost like over programming so it's but it's, I think for, that's but it's also forced thing. people in different roles that, that either they could accept and do well or they haven't. I mean, look at Pedro Santos at the start of the year. Everyone was saying all this stuff. You know, I thought since the injury, I thought he's been playing really well. I think he's he needs a little help on the offensive side, but I think he's changed his game. He's come in from the winger and kind of moved things around and... I think he's been playing really well, but he just needs another Absolutely. offensive. He's not you know, a mind. natural ten, no. so he needs he one. He's right. better on the wings, right? But if you're going to have him right. in a ten, you need other talent as well. But, but I also think that like the last ten or fifteen games, his confidence has really grown, and you see him be more more involved in the game planning and and not just a winger running down up and down and kind of getting those moments. And you know maybe that was the crew's mistake and not kind of played him out of position at first. But I think now if you put him back on the wing consistently, I think you'll see a much different player because of his confidence and the way he's kind of figured things out, I think, the last 10 games. Yeah, and I think we got a question about them switching to a 4-3-3, so we'll talk about that in a bit. Upcoming Wednesday at Chicago Fire, 8 p.m. game. That's on Fox Sports Ohio. 
what are you looking for? It's going to be a game they're going to kind of rotate a bit. I think it comes down to if you're on the road and you need points, you've just got to score. Yeah. You have to I'd, be yeah. out on the front foot, and they were right there yeah. to do it against I, Orlando. Yeah. I would like to see them consistently get the ball to Zardes in a spot where he can score. Early, often, yeah. threaten. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, in the first five minutes, that was a great ball by Pedro, and, and those are the goals and the type of situations where he usually scores, and he has scored, but they need to continually do it. And, you know, instead of having one play like that, you know, a game for him to try to convert, you know, need to have three or four. The more chances he gets, I think eventually he's going to put it in the back of the net. I well, mean, I guess wa- he's been, you know, you've seen that. Yeah. And I've watched other games. Like I watched one on Friday, that New England DC game, which was pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. There was a mistake in the back, like Cronally had against Seattle. I can't remember which center back, but for DC, headed it yeah. backward. And New England had a counter. Yeah. They had a shot that was saved and had a follow up goal. There was another set piece right. late where DC had to find a goal. They were able to get it off of a really good finish. You just don't see the crew making those plays right now. And if it takes other players to yeah. make those plays, then you go get the other players. But I think that's what separates these teams but let's go ahead we got quite a few questions just rip them away Kyle. all right uh i think we've kind of touched on this but we but uh i'll just uh, say it again we'll start off this when can we expect any of the new players to see the field romario williams jordan hamilton it's whenever porter decides to put them in hamilton will not be available wednesday against the fire he's still waiting on a p1 visa although he's in the league he's coming from canada and toronto so porter said he and aloy room they're hoping to have them in training friday you know i think it might take a little bit for Jordan Hamilton to play, but if you're looking at Aloy Room, if he's in Friday, I guess it's possible he plays Saturday. For Luis Diaz, he is here. He arrived with the team in Orlando on Saturday, so I expect him to be available off the bench Wednesday, maybe in the starting lineup Saturday, but it's going to take a little time. Obviously, if you start him, you have to make sure he can go 60 minutes or more, and he hasn't been with the club for a little bit. All right, who plays CB? It's got to be Cronallian. Booba, don't you think? Yeah, at this point. Or, I mean, you (laughs) hope Mensa's in there. Yeah, but I mean, I'd still wait. Let the two young guys go at it and see how it goes. If if you're rotating and you want to see more... I'm, I'm fine with giving him a shot. Let's see here, going through. Which number will be larger at the end of the 2019 regular season? Crew goals scored or crew games played? This was a great question. <laughs> I believe that was from Morgan. Yes. Yes. Are we still calling it Failing Aces Radio? I know Mike likes to call it that. They're good people. Oh, hashtag chicken parm. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> See, I told you guys, this. these memes were coming as soon as I said <laughs> I had a chicken parm. I looked this up. 2006 yep. is the lowest total they've had in a year of goals and points, which was Siggy's first yep. year. 30 goals in 32 games. They are 17 goals for and in 21 games. What do you think? So they got to average more than one goal a game. Can they no. do that? I'm going to say no. I'm just going to continue with the, the bad luck and the missed goal opportunities. I'm going to say no as well. I think like their ceiling is like 38 goals or something. It, it's pretty abysmal. And and let's talk about like Luis Diaz, for example, 20-year-old guy. They're extremely high on, which is why they could have him for up to four years right now on his current deal. They paid a transfer fee for him. He's an immediate right. upgrade, no doubt. He's not going to come in immediately and blow things away. Right. If they get a number 10, now that's where I'm going to say, okay, they're probably going to have more goals than games played. Right. Now that's still remaining to be seen, but just with the current structure, Diaz is going to take a little time. So just settle in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you only hope it gets better if you're a supporter. All right. What is the Speakeasy's seasonal drink? And Patrick, you might want to hop in for this question. 
Yeah, why don't you lead us off, yeah. your podfather? Are you your, are you a summer drink? Are you a Natter Day guy? Actually, I was at the bar in Clintonville called the Bottle Shop, and I had a Pimps Cup, and it was really, really good. There you go. So I don't know if the I'm speaking for everyone shop. here, but and then if it's too early and nobody's drinking alcohol yet, I do like a good coffee every now and again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey's in the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Seasonal drink. I normally like some, like a Kolsch is definitely something I like in the summer. Something just crisp and cool, and you can you know if you want to indulge, you can indulge a little bit. Yeah. What about you? If I'm pandering, I, I really do yeah. like the massive ale right now. I yeah. know that's not a seasonal right. one. I'll just say because I was at a golf outing on on Saturday, and it's the first time I I drank these regularly, and it, and it wasn't too bad. But I'm a fan of the White Claw, man. Nice, I, ha- I haven't had a White Claw yet. And it kind of just, you know, it's, good. A, it's a nice change from the drinking the, you know, beers all day long on the course. And it was quite refreshing and, and it wasn't, wasn't too terrible. Are you going to switch to Trulies now? I, I think no, that's no, another no. one of those seltzers. The only, the no, only, no, no, he's mature. Yeah. He's yeah. matured. <laughs> the, yeah, only, yeah. the only I thought problem. I thought you were going to say Michelob Ultra. No, that's a good no, beer to no. drink when you're coughing. No, the, the, the <laughs> only problem is they kind of went down a little too fast <laughs> on the course. But you won. Yes. Yeah. And you were yes. the, you were the lead yeah. star out there. And that's yeah. all we have to say about that. Yeah. The scooter scramble champions. All right. Who are the crew taking to the first pick in the MLS Super Draft next year? I actually tried to look up some possible draft picks, but it required a uh, subscription to a site that I never go to, so I passed on that. And even if they are, isn't Nashville in the running too for the... Yeah, that Nashville that, and Miami. Man. So I that's a great question. I haven't even really looked at if they are automatically getting the top two spots or not, I would assume. Is it Miami for sure, or is it just Nashville? Well, anyway. I thought it was both. All right, People um, can tweet at Kyle yeah. for corrections. Let's see here. Bourbon or beer to be able to tolerate the next crew game? And in how many quantities? If you're tailgating, which one are you having? And then at the game, are you switching to beer? Both. Both. I I think tailgating, you got to go with the bourbon because I think you'd have a better choice and better picks of depending upon what you bring. But I think the beer beer list is pretty pretty reasonable at the crew game. What what does a beer go for at a crew game? How much is it? Less yeah. than a baseball game where it's like yeah. ten fifty. Yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah, seven, eight bucks, I think. Okay. That's but that's manageable. Please let us know. Yeah. We're not allowed to drink while we work. Exactly. <laughs> We've kind of already touched on this, but any Menza, how long will he be out or will there be still don't know okay. totally on Menza. He's questionable for this week, so if he doesn't play now, I would assume he could be available Saturday. And then any word on any additional punishment for the elbow? I've emailed the league about that uh they're looking into it i said by by the time you listen to it you might have an answer as of right now it's just the one game on dwyer this is a good one did the browns and the crew trade luck it's funny i think we have a question later so we can address that now too about why has the crew struggled so much without iguain yeah iguain is the quarterback of this team you look at any college football, NFL, you lose your starting quarterback, you're probably going to struggle. And it's funny because last week, Caleb Porter used the analogy of if the Browns lost Baker Mayfield, how would they yeah. do <laughs> uh, comparing to, to Iguain? So good for Baker. He's yeah. being compared to a designated player. I will just say, yes, they have traded luck. <laughs> All right. This is another good one from the last the last episode. If the Orlando game was a food, what food would it be? Have you thought about it? No. Let's see. They played pretty well yeah. for the most part. Gave up a late goal. If I'm going to compare it to a food on the fly here, I'm going to think of something I, I, I enjoy a lot, but toward the end, you're like, man, this was a bad idea. So, Krispy Kreme donuts. 
there you go. Like first one is like fantastic. Okay, if you ever gone to the Krispy Kreme shop to get the donuts right off the press, right? The first one is awesome, great, whatever. Second one's uh third one's like, ooh, maybe. And then by the fourth one, you're like, I hate my life. I'll go <laughs> that's a great analogy. I'll go with like wings that have a lot of sauce on them at mm. the beginning, a ton of flavor, and then by the end you're just like, This is a little too much. There or you go. I think like a, a hamburger that, that you make that's pretty good right off the grill, then sits around for a while and then you know, you show up late to a cookout and you or, get that hamburger and you're just like We're uh, like French fries. How about yes. that? How about you get them? They're really good out of the kitchen they sit around a bit and you get you know you get to that 80th minute of having it and you want it to the action to heat up a bit stick it in the microwave it's just not good so microwave fries you don't put them in the oven to reheat them no okay no the oven it it just takes too long it's probably better i'd take the crispy over the quickness just like the pizza rolls you gotta put them in the oven I don't think I've had pizza rolls in so oh, long. I got little kids. I've also <laughs> I have also been made fun of because I've never eaten ramen noodles, not even oh, in college. Man. Oh boy, is this team a support, supporter shield contender? I think they're some other sort of contender. <laughs> yeah, if the supporter shield is something you get for being in last place, yes, I'll take the heat for that one now and always. Somebody wants to know how many days have we had people out injured. For the whole team. I actually did the math. Oh, wow. So we have a games missed, or is that Games what it, missed, yeah. yeah kind of like how NHL yeah. does it a little bit. Excluding Milton yeah. Valenzuela, I just didn't factor him in because they went and got a Waylon Francis. And I still think you. He was a starter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. If you want to put him in there, that's fine. So that's, what, 21 games. Yep. So add it to 36, right. and then another 16 for international duty. Ooh. Harrison Awful was 11, wow. Akam 3, Waylon Francis 5, Iguain 6 right now, right. and obviously that'll get bigger. Jonathan Menza, just the one right now. Sorrow, the one coming up, including one coming up. Josh Williams has four. Nico Hansen, three at the beginning wow. of the yep. year. Zach Steffen, two. Then with international duty, Steffen, two. Zardes and Trap, five. And Mensa, four. So that's 52 games and then another 21 with Milton Valenzuela. A lot. A lot. All right, this is also a good question. We literally got tons of questions here, so bear with us. How is the team really holding up under the stress of a historically bad season? I can only imagine how Caleb feels about this being his return to coaching. It's a good question. It's funny because he actually got a question about that today, and he said, I've had a lot of conversations with myself over the past few weeks. I think the team in general, everyone within the organization is upset and frustrated. And honestly, I think they're a little bewildered of how they have nine one-goal losses this year and why they can't find that goal and whatnot. It's, you know, it's, it's crew on repeat again. I do think they are confident in themselves and they have remained confident. As I stated earlier, Caleb Porter said there's no issues in the locker room. So take that at its word. And I think they're definitely frustrated, but they're not wanting to play the victim. They're focused on trying to grow over these games. And if you see a team, if they grow all these things from just general overall improvement, the confidence is going to be a domino effect from that, and then results right. will come as well. And then another question that kind of is the exact same thing. Does the front office have faith in Porter because they invested $5 million over five years in him? I don't know if that's the correct number. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think we've reported that, which would have been before I got here. I do not personally know what his contract is. I think they remain confident right. in him because they started in January to understand this team and 
to a degree, they're kind of still understanding the team. But I mean, as he couldn't have been more adamant today and more so than he has all year about how much these injuries and people being gone and just learning some other players on this roster is going to help them right. long run. I mean, think of Cronalli. This is a great example. Loaning Lalas Abubakar out. Now you look at it, it's like maybe Cronalli right. should have been the one loaned out and, and Lalas, he is in a good system now. It's right. not really possessing out of the back. But that's a little bit of a mistake, but now right. they're learning from that, and that's a small one. You just hope they don't make the large mistakes right. of signing you know, someone for $1.5 million and he scores a couple goals a year. So you hope they don't make those. I think they're learning. again, like Santos? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Five goals in 59 games, or six goals in 59 games. It really doesn't make a difference. All right, next, uh, and this is also another good question. Who is responsible for the team fitness? How much of our injury problems are due to fitness and training? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say, right? They're one never going to say it's about their trainers or whatnot. I think some of the guys, like Waylon Francis, was a soft tissue injury in his thigh, I want to say. There are definitely some overexhaustion injuries. Those have to be prevented, period. And that has a lot to do with other guys being out, whatnot. Fitness, I don't, I don't know if it has anything to do with guys not being fit or whatnot. So that's a tough one to say, but a very valid question. Right. Do you have any updates on when the groundbreaking for the stadium will be? We were led to believe August. We've talked about this yep. before and reported as well. They're still trying to acquire the land, trying to go for an October groundbreaking. Pretty much it there. All right. And then why is it so hard for this team to play without number 10? Because he's the number 10. Yep. He's He runs the show. I think it's very clear that they need... If they really do believe that they can squeak into a playoff spot, they need to go out and get a number 10. You know, not someone that can just hold over until they make a more informed decision. I think they're they're doing everything they can to get the guy right now. And if they can bring him in in the window, kudos on the front office. That's quick moving. If it's in the offseason, I think they might do that as well. But clearly, they need a guy that can run the show. Yep. And then what effect will the recent additions the front office have? We've kind of touched on that a little bit, but yeah, it's overall... Just Overall, connecting to the community better. I think that's really it. And that's like how the organization, of course, is going to frame it. But you look at the guys that they got, it's to save the crew people. And so I think it's very clear what they're trying to do. Will there be another winger brought this summer or are the deals about the Swede and Scott falling through? Last I checked... There's nothing new on that front, so I any deals that are being worked on are very much just being worked on right now. I don't expect anything in the immediate future, but that's to say they are still extremely active, and I don't anticipate they're anywhere near done right now. All right, we'll end on this one because I think it's also another good one. Should we expect to see the 4-3-3 for the rest of the season? It's a way to minimize the loss of a true number 10, but puts more on the middle three to create and the front three to be more effective. Not exactly anyone's strong suit. Depends on if they get another true number 10 and any other acquisitions with that. Now, what's interesting, and I've kind of thought of this, if they go with a 4-3-3, say they don't get a true number 10, they go with a 4-3-3, you have a calm Santos and Luis Diaz and you got to sit one of those and right. have them come off the bench. Do you do that? Yeah, I mean I think it's it, cuz two would play next right, to Zardes. Right, yeah. Right. You always want to have somebody you can bring in if you're down or if you need that goal. So I mean, I don't think the crew has had someone like that in a while that they can bring in off the bench and consistently get goals in the later half or kind of be like a super sub. But I think what you do is if you have three guys that you're confident in, start rotating them out, you know, see what you have 
with a calm. You're not, he's not yours next year. He's going to Nashville. So, I mean, you know, you can kind of move things around. You know, I don't think you'd probably want to rotate Santos since he's one of the higher, and you know, I think he's been playing pretty well. But I think you have the options too. That's a good yeah. point. I think they will continue yeah. to flip between a 4 2 3 right. 1 and the 4 3 3. It's just another right. thing in their pocket, and it did work pretty well right. against Orlando. They possess very well in the middle block there. Which one of those three do you think you sit if you go 4 3 3? David Akam? Mm, no, I think you should. It allows you to rotate much right. better. Yeah. That was a good point right. you had. And I, th- I think it's a wait and see on the new guy. If Akam gets back, I think he's proven. He was know, playing the, well before right. he got Yeah, hurt. so I mean, he's, he's a proven guy. You know, it's a little unknown unless you can see in training that he's lights and date better than Akam. But I mean, I think it's a it's a good mix to kind of bring in and, and kind of change things up. Or heck, you can bring Santos. You know, you can drop him. You know, I think he would be okay. You know, putting him in the middle for substitution purposes or whatever. It also you know. limits the opportunities that Eduardo Sosa can be sucked right. in. And I think they right. want to get him right. to develop a little bit. So, yeah, that's a good question. I think that's something they have in their pocket and they will throw out there when not. You also don't bring a young DP on and sit him. Right. So if they go to a 4-3-3, I think it just totally depends on the right. scenario in terms of rotation well, not and not. And with these moves that they've made, they have depth. I don't think that, I mean, their depth really... They're still adding. Right. They've, their depth really took a hit this year with all the injuries and people leaving and so I think that you'll see a much deeper team and and as you've seen throughout the season every starting lineup's been different <laughs> so at this point you know you gotta I think Caleb has to figure out what works and it might be trying to figure out which combination everything kind of works best yep absolutely I think we'll end it on that note crew play 8 p.m wednesday against a fire then back at home against montreal impact at 7 30 i'm jacob myers you can follow me at jacob underscore myers underscore two five kyle throw your handle out there it's k rob photo if you haven't followed kyle by now you're doing something wrong also join our facebook page if you haven't already for columbus crew fans we post all of our content there shout out to podfather for editing this fine show and i think mike will be back this week and maybe we'll invite him back yeah the old two-week vacation yeah (laughs) no one can take vacation anymore all right see you all